0: So, Father, I thank you for this moment. I just recognize your presence and that you are a God that does incredible miracles. You can fulfill things that we would take a lifetime to do. You can do it in the moment. Your power is matchless. Lord, I recognize that you're in this place and that your Holy Spirit is speaking to lives. And so you're softening hearts. I pray that your Holy Spirit would overshadow me. Use me like a glove to speak to your people, Lord God, and just fulfill your promises in their lives. Lord, I also thank you that you have drawn people here today that need to have a relationship with you. Either they need to start it for the first time or they need to, Lord God, resume it, Lord Jesus, because they've walked away. I pray that today when we give them a chance that nothing will stand in their way from saying yes to you. And Lord, I thank you that you've brought people here that need a family of faith, And so, Lord, today I thank you that they're making decisions to say Celebration International Church is the place that God has aligned me to. And that we will, Lord God, be blessed together in this journey. Father, I know that before me are people who are victorious. So every lie that is speaking otherwise, right now we declare it canceled. These are blessed men and women, overcomers by the name and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, get ready. Our faith confession. Ready? Here we go. The applied word of God will change my life instantly. I actively embrace and embody its teachings. Pleasing God is my purpose. I walk in faith, not sight. I claim promises, pursue passionately, and prosper as my soul prospers. My faith is proof. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, say amen. 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 The applied word of God, it can change our lives. Amen. So with that, I want you to grab your Bibles and find the book of Luke. And we're going to chapter 10. Make your way over there. Um, As you're going and searching your scriptures... Let me remind you that this is a season that we tend to pick up a lot of things, isn't it? It's the holiday season where we pick up a lot of things. We pick up a lot of invitations, don't we? How many of y'all got like a party to go for work, a party to go with your family? You got a party because of your kid's school and and this and that. There's invitations, invitations, invitations. We pick up white elephant gifts, don't we? Things that we have no idea what are we going to do with this. You know, this is no use to me. It's taking up space. We pick up some extra pounds, don't we? Rebuke that thing, guys. Jesus' name. All right. We pick up a lot of things. We pick up some emotional baggage. I got to juggle and go to this family and that family, and I got to spend time with this person and that person, and this one's not happy with me, and I didn't do this quite right. And we pick up some emotional baggage. So last week, we started talking about some things that we should give up on Christmas. Giving up on Christmas. We started talking about some things. Today, I want to talk to you about letting go of something entirely different, which is not the toys and the gadgets and the gifts, but giving up on the distractions. Say distractions. By a show of hands, how many people here have a hard time focusing these lights are bright. How many of y'all have a hard time focusing? Man, was pastor waving a flag today? And like, uh, why are they all walking around? And you know what? They said that they sang that song like so many times. Oh, wow. I like that man's attire today. He's looking pretty good. Wow. That, that's pretty. What am I going to have for lunch after this? You know, and oh, is, 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 did I, did I respond to that text message? I forgot to respond. Oh my gosh! I got so many notifications in my Facebook that I didn't go through, and now people are waiting for me to answer. Oh, are the bills supposed to be paid this week? Is this the week? Did I miss it? Am I going to get a late fee? How many of us have had like some of those thoughts in the last like five seconds? You know, I started talking, and you already went through most of that list. So how many of us have a hard time focusing? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of us, you know, at work, at school, you know, at home, in the middle of a conversation with your spouse. All right. Thankfully, though, Jesus left us. Jesus, I love the Bible because it does not sugarcoat humanity. It gives us humanity in all of its glory and all of its (laughs) ugliness. And Jesus, one day, talking to a family in a village of Bethany, he gives us an incredible encouragement that deals with focus. Like, let's deal with distractions. And what's found in Luke chapter 10, I want you to see this play out in the village of Bethany. Starting in verse 38, here's the story. Let's take a look at it. We've got Jesus, who is hanging out with a couple of folks in the village of Bethany. He's at the home of two sisters and a brother. Verse 38. Now, as they were on their way, (coughs) Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha did what? Welcomed him, invited him into her house. Keep that in mind. Who did the invitation? Martha. Okay. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Verse 40. But Martha was Martha was Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted. How many of you love to host people at your house? Nelia, the Son of God, God in the flesh, is coming for dinner. How excited are you? Whoo, I'm over the moon. I'm ecstatic, fired up. God, God is coming to my house. God's coming to my house. (laughs) Quick. Put away the laundry basket. Sweep the floors. Hurry up. Clean up the kids' toys. Put everything away. Make sure the bathroom is stocked, Pablo. God is coming to the house. It's got to be picture perfect. It's got to smell good. Tell the neighbors, please, turn that ruckus, that music down just for today. I'll do whatever you want. God is coming to my house. I can imagine Martha, so I don't blame her. She's fired up and excited. She's invited the Son of God to her house, but yet it's the Son of God. And so she's busy at work thinking of everything that needs to get done. And all the preparations that need to be made. Meanwhile, Jesus arrives and Martha's sister Mary parks her tuchus at the feet of Jesus. And she enjoys it. Sorry if I swore, my bad. Just kidding. We got to use these like words with, with my little kids, you know what I'm saying? So like, try to say it in a way that they understand. All right, okay. So she sits at the feet of Jesus. Meanwhile, Martha is running around thinking of all of the preparations that need to be made. And she looks over at her sister who sparked herself at the feet of Jesus. Now, let me ask you, how many of y'all got one of those in your family? Oh, I heard some laughs in the back. No, no, let, let's not raise our hands. You can just think that because maybe the person you're thinking about is sitting right next to you. I don't want to cause any fights. But we might have one of these people in our homes or in our families. You know, everybody's working. Everybody's getting everything done. Everybody's doing all this stuff. And there is the -the fill-in-the-blank person who is on the couch taking a nap. I was having a conversation with a family member who uh, doesn't live nearby and traveled. So all the family members who are here, you're off the hook. It's not you. You're not in the house right now. You're not watching online right now. So I'm not talking about you, okay? But uh, it was funny. They were talking about this very thing. Thanksgiving, I was over here cooking and cleaning and doing this and doing that. And where did you go that day? You showed up for the food. And so I was just laughing. I'm like, well, they they did what? And we were talking about it and just having fun because I found that it happens in a lot of homes. And if you can't think of that person, just, uh, you know, sidebar reality flash, you might be that person. Well, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's chilling. She's perfectly content. She's at the right place. She feels good. Yet that has got Martha all hot and bothered. Verse 40, and she went up to him and she said, Lord... Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me out. Jesus, tell her to get up off of her lazy and help me out. This is not fair. Notice she, she doesn't even say, like, Lord Jesus, can I sit too? Lord... Get her out of there and have her help me. I'm sick and tired, David, of doing it all by myself. Have her help me. Are you getting the portrait of of Martha? See, Martha is distracted about what had to be done. Martha is worried about what had not been done. And Martha is complaining about those who are not helping her get it done. Kind of sounds like me. Kind of sounds like some of us sometimes, doesn't it? So concerned about what has to get done. And then you look through and you look at your list and you look at your papers and you look at everything. You're like, but I didn't get that done and I needed to do that and now I'm worried that I didn't get that done. And nobody knows my plight. Kind of sound like Zazu in The Lion King. Nobody knows. What troubles I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. Right? Because we're complaining about the people who are doing something else and have other priorities. And they are not helping us do the things that we have not done and the things that we're worried about. Sounds awfully familiar. Sounds like... People who are just caught up in the busyness and the demands and the tensions of life. Because I found that today, there is no shortage on demands on our time, is there? There's no shortage of demand. I think especially with young parents, there's no shortage of things that you got to get done. I talk to you guys about this all the time because this is where I'm at. This is my life. Everyone, every once in a while, tries to make sure that I'm like... Treading water, and they say, Pastor, you're going to get over this. It's okay. These years are busy, but it's going to slow down one day, I promise you. It's like everybody's worried about me. Thank you so much. I feel so loved. (laughs) But I am looking forward to that day. I'm also enjoying this moment. There's no doubt about that. But there is always plenty to do than time to do it, is there not? How many of you can go to work and absolutely kill it at work? Like, you have the phenomenal, best, most productive day at work, and you show up the next day, there's going to be a whole new mountain of work for you to do. How many? There's always more. And I feel like that's the case every time I walk into my house. But... There's always so much, and trying to keep up can be crushing. It can feel like it's too much to bear, and consequently, it can cost us. It could hurt us, and it ends up, when we are so busy and so overwhelmed by all these different things that we have to do, it ends up costing us. It costs us our relationships. It can cost us friendships. How many of you haven't talked and seen your friend since you don't know when? Right? Like you don't you haven't even picked up the phone to call them. How many of you haven't talked to your siblings in like a long time because you're just so busy doing everything else? It can cost us relationships, it can cost us our health. I have not gone to a gym in I don't know how long. And I'm just grateful that somehow, miraculously, things are still working, you know. And, you know, the the clothes are still fitting, you know, but it could cost us our health. It can cost us, you know, a lot of different things. Our marriages can suffer. It can cost us our relationships with our kids can suffer. Our so many different things in our lives can suffer if we're just caught up under the tyranny of all the busyness of work and life and demands for our time. Say distracted. Did you know that the word distraction comes from a Latin word that means pulling apart? Pulling apart. Our spiritual enemy, the devil, wants to pull us apart. He wants to pull us apart and distract us from everything that matters most. That's his plan. His plan is to pull you apart, to divide your mind, to discourage your soul, to disengage your faith, to separate you from the things that matter. That is his strategy. In fact, the devil does not need to destroy you. He does not need to kill you. It tells us in the Bible, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But reality check, he does not need to kill you if he can distract you. Because if he can distract you, he can neutralize you. And if he can neutralize you, pretty soon you destroy yourself. That's his schemes. He wants to take us and pull us away from everything that matters. C.S. Lewis, who's a, you know, Christian apologist, writer, wrote many different books like Chronicles of Narnia and and um, you know, uh, Space Odyssey, these different different things, but he wrote a lot of Christian apologetic books and um, there's one book that was fictional from the perspective of one senior demon talking to his nephew demon who's a underling who is learning the craft of being a demon, and it's called the Screwtape Letters. It's interesting. Go read it for something different, outside of your norm. Go, go read that book, because he gives you some insights into how the enemy's schemes work. And on there, the, the, the nephew says, what if I just kill him? I'm going to send him to war and get him. He's like, don't do that! We don't want to destroy them. We want to distract them. We want them to, 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 to choose all the good things, but let's just do the good things later. Have them feel good and virtuous about the good things, but just don't let them get to the good things. Oh yeah, have them like the enemy, which she refers to as God in that book. But just don't let them go worship the enemy right now. Tell them they're going to do it later. The enemy does not need to destroy us if he can distract us. And so look with me, what can we learn here as we approach the holiday season? Verse 41, Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha. Notice that, that, that syntax, that, that construction of the sentence. Martha, Martha kind of sounds like Saul, Saul. Saul. Peter, Simon, Simon, like when Jesus wants to grab our attention, he uses our name twice. How many times he's saying, hey, Brian, Brian, pay attention, focus, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Friend, the first thing I want to bring your attention this morning is this that we have to prioritize Jesus. See, burn this into your heart and let this never leave your faith walk with Jesus. What we do with Jesus surpasses what we do for him. What we do with Jesus surpasses what we do for him. That is of critical importance. Consider Martha's situation. She invited Jesus to her home. She started this thing. She received him into the dining room, into the living room. She has him there. She has him in the four walls of her, her house, yet she missed it and neglected the presence of God. So close, no cigar. You made it so far, but not far enough. You went through all the trouble and all the work and you got the victory, yet you missed out by that much. You just missed it. Guys, I don't want to just miss it. I want to go all the way. I want to get everything that is available to me. This lady was so close yet so far because she was concerned with putting together an elaborate meal for him when one was not needed. He was within reach, yet she missed him. Martha was distracted. Mary, on the other hand, she sat at the feet of Jesus, not because she had a foot fetish, but because she was at the right place, the right posture to receive from the Lord. It's like Paul, who when speaking of his credentials says, I was under Gamaliel, meaning I was underneath the feet, sitting as a student at his feet as he preached and teached and shared with me the way. It's like they say in the Mishnah, which is the Jewish oral tradition and laws. It says in Abbot 1.4, let your house be a gathering place for sages and wallow in the dust of their feet and drink in their words with gusto. This is the Jewish scriptures of which all of these oral traditions would have been something that was very, very prominent known, received, adhered to in the culture of the day that both Mary and Martha was aware of, involved in, ingrained in. So this is not news to Martha as she sees her sister taking the posture of a disciple, of a follower of Christ. Friend, if there ever is a choice, between busy work that doesn't have to get done immediately and learning at the feet of Jesus, pick learning. If there ever is a choice between things that don't matter and the things that matter most, I say pick what matters. Read and meditate on God's word. Allow that word to permeate your soul. Spend time in prayer with Jesus and spend time communicating, That is communication. So talk to him and let him talk to you back. Let him search you as the scriptures. You look in the mirror of the scriptures and it speaks to you and reveals who you are and what you look like. Allow that to be your posture prioritize this as opposed to all the things that you could do because you can do so much more. And there is plenty calling your attention to. Yet one thing is most necessary, and that is spending time with God. If you're reasoning that you'll just sit as soon as you cross all your to-dos off, friend, you're never going to sit. I, I like to put together lists and stuff so I can, like, you know, I, I got to do this because I'll forget, right? And I need reminders. I put calendar entries on my, on my phone. I put things on my task list and all that stuff because I will forget things. My wife can have a conversation with me on your way home. Stop by, pick up this. The other day I was stuck on the side of the road, right? as I passed the gas station. I told you that story. So the thing is, there's plenty that goes on that list. But if all I'm doing is crossing things off my list and list, 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 do this, do this, do, 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 pretty soon, it's all a bunch of baloney. If I've neglected the most important thing. And I found this. When I spend time with God, I'm more efficient at what I do. Amen. When I actually spend time, as David spoke early in the morning, as Jeremiah said, early in the morning and in the evening shall I meditate upon your word. When I do those things, it it recalibrates me. It gives me efficiency and effectiveness to actually see things from a perspective that I didn't see them before. And it helps, it guides, it leads. We need to prioritize Jesus because what we do with him far surpasses what we do for him. Some of us are too concerned about doing for Christ and yet Christ is saying, can you just be with me? I love what Warren Wizardby Once said, the most important part of the Christian life is the part that only God sees. Unless we meet Christ personally and privately each day, we will soon end up like Martha. Busy, but not blessed. I'll pick blessed any day of the week over busy. Because I've tried busy. It stinks. I'd rather be blessed. Number two. Look, verse 40, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Friends, looking at the story, I see that we need to value family. Look at the person next to you and say, value your family. Some of you, it's easy because you're looking at Family. Some of you, it's hard because you are looking at family. But we need to value family. We need to value what's within the house. We need to value, why? Because we are to embrace the blessing of family rather than demands on family. Some of us got it flipped. We value demands upon family rather than the family itself. Jesus, don't you see that she's left me to do all the work by myself? Lord, look at her. Look at all that I'm not getting done. Look at everything that has to fall on me and my world and blah, 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 wah, wah, wah. I can imagine her. Before she got to that moment of talking to Jesus about her sister, she most likely, most probably, most certainly Spoke to Mary. Mary, let me remind you, we're getting up out of bed today, right? Like, we're getting ready to get coffee ready and breakfast. Jesus is coming over for lunch. Don't forget it. We got to do some things in preparation. Mary, we've had breakfast. You know, we started the morning routines. I haven't seen you pick up the broom yet, Mary. Mary, you're telling me about this and that and all that stuff that's happening online and what's going on around the world, what you saw on Facebook and Instagram and and, and Pinterest and everything else. But, Mary, I haven't seen you start anything of the baking. I can imagine she went to her sister first and foremost. She talked to her, it's like, please, for Pete's sake, it's Jesus, the Son of God. He's coming to our house. Help me clean this darn house. Help me. Give me a hand in the kitchen. Get off of your Instagram. I can imagine it. Not from personal experience. I can imagine it. The Bible doesn't tell us where Mary, if Mary put her phone down or not. It doesn't tell us if she did any of that stuff. It doesn't, there's silence here. It doesn't give us any of, of the hints that she helped out at all. But listen, Mary and Martha are often contrasted as though we need to pick one over the other. Like we need to be all about service and we got to exemplify service or we got to be all about worship. And we got to just praise, you know, uh, Mary because she did the right thing and she was a worshiper and Mary uh, was right. Martha, you're wrong. And we go to these extremes. But the reality is there's a balance in these things. See, what, what the Bible doesn't tell us and what most likely happened was, if you think about this, the son of God's coming over the house. The culture is all about hospitality. They are very big and important on hospitality. So there is no doubt about it that they would have prepared the house and done enough and done what was necessary. So Mary could have very well have helped in the kitchen, did everything that she, like, I got the bread. I got this. There's something to drink. There's something to eat. We cleaned up. It's cooked. It's kosher. Everything is right. So you know what? I'm going to go now and sit at the feet of Jesus because Because he's coming over. She did enough. And then she said, I'm going to go pick now the better thing. Whereas Martha had demands that were far above the expectations of the day. And I, I wonder, who gave her those demands? How many of us are trying to fulfill and do something that nobody else asked us to do, but we impose those demands on ourselves? We're trying to prove something to somebody. We're trying to do something and and, and expand something within our lives and prove something because of a vow, because of an issue, because we will never be like that person. I'll never do this. My dad did that. I'm never going to be like him. My mom was like this. I won't do that when I'm a parent. And we're putting all these expectations and demands on ourselves that nobody ever asked us and told us was right. And yet we're fulfilling, we're busy, we're pursuing, we're running, we're chasing, and yet we miss the most important thing. She failed to see her sister. And what did she do? She turns to Jesus and she starts to complain. See, what Martha missed, she valued the demands that she imposed or she felt society required. Because it's the son of God, and she missed out on the value of her sister. What contributions did she make? What value was she adding in the home? What other sacrifices had she already done? Well, none of this mattered to Martha, she couldn't see it. All she could see was the missed demands that she had and the expectations. If serving Christ... Makes us difficult to live with, then something has gone terribly wrong with our serving. Let that sink in. Because the world is watching you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. And if people find you difficult to live with because you serve Christ, I think you're serving wrong. Likewise, if serving our families, I'm doing this for you, not with that attitude. (laughs) What you mean? I got to go to work and work 17,000 hours because I need to put food on the table for you. I'd rather eat ramen noodles with that attitude. Could I just have you here so you can celebrate what happened with the kids? Like, I needed your support in this moment. You weren't around. No, but I'm doing this for you. It's for us. You don't get it. If serving Christ, if serving our families makes it difficult to live with, then something is terribly wrong with our service. Whenever we start criticizing other people and pitying ourselves because we feel overwhelmed, then you know what, we better take some time and examine our lives because we have probably taken on more than we should chew. And other people are suffering for it. Maybe we should say no to that invitation. Maybe we should say, you know what, yeah, this is enough for what we need at our standard. Like, what's more important? Which, which leads me to, you know... Think of the last one, just a second, verse 41. But, like, you know, think about this. This plays out in so many different ways. You got parents who value more demands than they value the person, they value the journey. Joy in the journey is Deirdre's mantra, right? Th- I think about this. I, you know, I, I'm grateful for high expectations because my parents always asked me to do well in school. And I can remember a time when I was goofing off and cutting class and doing all that stuff. And then my parents moved me from one school out of my context of friends into a brand new school system. And I had a teacher who had overcome incredible odds with cancer. And she was having a new perspective on life. And she demanded and expected a lot of us. And that stirred a fire in me to want to do better. So it was good. But I, I look at it from the other extreme. Sometimes some of us, you know, a, a parent, you know, sees the kid's report card. You've, you, you got an A minus? How dare you? Like, why isn't it an A plus, 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 plus? mom, those don't exist. I don't care. For my child, it does. You should have done better. Like some of y'all are laughing because you know you've had those parents. You know that circumstance. But you think that's a silly little thing, but you, you look and extrapolate that out. The demands far surpass the value of the person or the journey. You know We don't look at the best improved student. Here's little Timmy who, you know, or little Johnny or little Billy who, you know what, is not the most intellectually gifted IQ wise in the family, yet this one went from a a D status and now he's all the way over at a C plus. Shouldn't I celebrate the improvement? Or I'm just worried about the end result. It's not good enough. Some of us need to just say, hey, what is good enough and what is progress? Because I need to value progress. Some of us look at the pages of scriptures and we see saints and saints, but in between the passages and the verses, there's a whole lot of life and a whole lot of time and a whole lot of journeys of ups and downs. You take five steps forward and then you slide back ten steps. So life is transitory and it changes and it fluctuates and we need to value the person, not the demand. The last thing that comes to my mind here is that verse 41 Martha, Martha you're anxious and troubled about many things but one thing is necessary I absolutely love it that Jesus says this because I need all of us to say this with me say the word, it's, it's a simple word it's a very simple word, it's got two letters in it say no come on let me hear it really loud no Come on, let your neighbor across the street here. No. Jesus told her, one thing is necessary, which means everything else, there's a compilation of things that are not. So we need to learn how to say no. And for some of us here, it's just like a weight just fell off of your chest right now. Say no. Had Jesus said five things are necessary, Or a hundred things. If you look at the Old Testament and the religious law, they said 613 things were necessary. One thing is necessary, which tells me I need to learn how to say no to all the non-essential. It requires me dropping many things from my life. Martha, like many of us, need to learn how to say no. Because here's the reality. The most common denominator that all of us have doesn't matter if you're white, black, yellow, red, purple, blue, whatever. doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you've gone to college or you didn't go to college. One thing all of us have is the commodity of time. We all got 24 hours in a day. God didn't bless you, Sharon, with 27, and so I'm always at a deficit because you got two extra hours on top of me. He gave us all 24 hours, and the beauty of that is, although some of us have more days than others, all of us encounter it and approach it one day at a time. All we got is what's in front of us right now. And so all of us need to decide, what are we going to do with the time that is given to us? Sounds like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. We don't get to choose the times that we come into, but we get to choose what we do with the time that is given to us. What do we do with the time that is given to us? How do we move forward? We need to learn how to say no to a lot of things. How is it that some people can accomplish so much more than others? They learn how to say no. And you should just start saying no. Just just practice it. Look and say no. Look in the mirror and say no. Like, I don't have time for that. I don't got time for that. Maybe that might sound rude, so you don't want to say that directly to somebody else. But say, hey, with the time that I have been allotted, it will not fit into my schedule. With the time that has been allotted to me, that just won't work for me. Love you. Appreciate you. Thank you for the invitation. But it will not work. But you know what? It's, it's your son's you know, daycare friend that they see every once in a while. And they've never had a play date together. And she finally invited him over the house. And if I don't say yes today, then I'll lose the opportunity. My kid will be forever socially disgraced. And I just have to say yes. No. It won't fit into my schedule go ahead take your calendar and start putting some appointments just write the word no no hey pastor can you come over my house because i want you to do this and that and you know what you've prayed over my house my car i want you to pray over my shoe because i just bought a brand new shoe and i need you to pray over it because I, I don't want it to give me any calluses and, and 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 uh can you just come i'm sorry i got a commitment I have an appointment. Oh, yeah, with who? Oh, you don't know them. You don't know them. That's it. Can I do this? Family member invites and do this. Like schedule some times in your day, in your life. Put some margin in your schedule. In this season, everybody's going to ask you to come over. Everyone wants to celebrate and do Yankee swaps and this and that and whatever. But, yeah, let me ask you, if you have not yet... um, read your Bible, should you be saying yes? If you have not yet spent some time with the Lord, you should be like, I'm sorry, I can't do this until that gets done. If you haven't taken care of your bare necessities at home because you know what, the tyranny of the important is going to be there and you sometimes allow it to become the tyranny of the urgent because you never did the important because you said yes to everything else, you've overcommitted. So if I can't take care of my basic necessities first, I'm not going to go ahead and say yes to this. I love you, you mean well, I'm grateful for the opportunity, thank you for thinking of me, but I only have 24 hours and I've got all these responsibilities and I've got all these demands and the most important demand I haven't even dealt with. And so I'm going to start dealing with the most important because only one thing matters. I'm going to invite the team to come on up and we'll close with just this idea I want you to think about your life and just answer the question to yourself. Am I enjoying my life? Am I enjoying my walk with Christ? Am I blessed or am I busy? I want you to think about that because in this Christmas season, I want you to realize we're celebrating the arrival, the advent of Jesus. The arrival of the Son of God who stepped into the earth. He might not be coming over your house for dinner, but he stepped into humanity so that he could step into our lives. And we might not host him for a pot roast or whatever other special meal you would love to cook for him. But every one of us have an opportunity to host him in our hearts. For when he came, he came to fulfill the law. And he's promised to be with us always. And the most important thing that all of us need is not another toy, another gadget, another gizmo. It's not more vacations, more friendships, more this. We, all the blessings that he has reserved, amen, will receive them. But the most important thing is what we do with him as opposed to what we do for him. It's that we value him and not put demands upon him to bless us and do for us. Is that we love and value him. There's a simple word for that. It's called intimacy. That's what the Lord wants from us, intimacy. That's what God desires of you, Matthew, intimacy. He doesn't need it he is fulfilled in and of himself he is complete he's the absence of parts he is whole perfectly equally all of the beautiful perfect attributes he doesn't need us but he yearns for us he wants intimacy so my invitation to you this morning is choose intimacy Make this season about a time that you spend with him. If you got kids, turn Christmas around and celebrate the birth of Jesus. Throw a birthday party. Get some cake. Actually involve him in the process. Right? Like, talk about it at your gatherings. You know what? Before you go to those gatherings, spend some time with him. Before you gather with others, gather with him. You know, make it important that I'm going to be at church and gather with the Brethren. I'm assembled together with those who are of the community and body of Christ because I value intimacy with my brothers who worship him, my sisters who are giving him glory, those who are encountering him in intimacy and he is showing up in their lives and he is doing incredible, amazing things that nobody will deny them of. If you do, there's so many incredible blessings if you choose intimacy. And as you stand, I'll just tell you, very quickly, you can look at the scriptures. You choose intimacy, you're gonna get clarity. Because God steps into our lives because Jesus, who was perfect, the very presence of God, stepped into humanity. He did all that he did. He lived a perfect life. He was accused Falsely Tried, tried, put to you know, as a spectacle for men. He died on the cross, paid for your sins, took on the judgment of sin on himself. But then he rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven. He said it is finished. He reigns and intercedes on your behalf. But then he sent his Holy Spirit to abide in you. And when you choose intimacy, you gain the clarity that his Holy Spirit brings. His Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Some of you are looking at your life. You don't enjoy it right now. You're busy making all these choices and decisions. You're overcommitted. You're missing out on the blessing and benefit of clarity. Go spend some time in your prayer closet. Go spend some time meditating in God's word, and he's going to give you some clarity. Open up the Proverbs every morning. Watch how many incredible insights he'll give to you the holy spirit will align those things in your day and you will move in greater assurance and conviction because you have clarity you also get correction when we choose intimacy my wife can call out things in my life because i have intimacy with her and without relationship there can be no correction coach always says I'm doing a good job, yet I get no court time. He says I'm doing phenomenal. Yeah, he never puts me in the game. We have to get into relationship and intimacy and be open to correction for us to advance and grow. The Holy Spirit comes because he's that still small voice that says this is right, that's not right. You're better than this. He searches our hearts and our spirits. And so for for us, we need to take the, the, the prayers of David and say, Lord, search me and know me. It takes intimacy to say, Lord, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Renew in me a steadfast heart and a clean spirit. Without intimacy, our pride won't even let us pray those prayers and say those words. If we choose intimacy, guys, we get comfort because we might have friends, we might have medicine, we might have a lot of natural remedies in the world, but one thing is true. There's some things that only the supernatural presence of God can do for us. When we grow in intimacy with him, we have him. We have that friend that sticks closer than a brother, that one that guides us and leads us in those moments of difficulty, who soothes our heart, who frees us from the grip of despair. Our situation might still be the same, but yet somehow you're not gripped by despair because the Holy Spirit is present. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life that I need because this world is very despairing. Stand up with me. You'll get courage. He'll get so many amazing things. He'll give us boldness. Joshua, be strong and courageous. I am with you everywhere you go. We get joy. If we choose intimacy with God, we get the thing that he designed us for. He made us in his image and likeness. That we may know him and have relationship with him. Yet when we sin, sin breaks us and pulls us apart from him and intimacy with him. So Jesus had to do what he did. He had to come. He had to empty himself and give of himself so that he could bridge the gap and pull us back together to focus us before the Father. So as we close our eyes, And nobody moving around in this moment. Is there anybody here that you are saying, man, I need some more intimacy with God. I might have done a lot of things for him, but I haven't done a single thing with him lately. Haven't invited him into my day. Haven't given him the right of way and priority in my life. I'm not experiencing comfort and correction and clarity and courage there's no joy in my life. I'm on the journey but there's no joy on it in it. If serving God and following him makes it difficult for people to live with you, you're doing it wrong. If calling yourself a Christian, aligning yourself to the Bible yet there's no joy in your life, nothing oozing and overflowing out of your life in joy, you're doing it wrong. So if you want to just make that right and say, Lord, today I want to come to you. I want you to restore me intimacy. Pastor doesn't need to preach a practical 17 step of how I need to do that. We all know how to be intimate. If you doubt that, just look at the fact that you have kids. You know how to get intimate. You know how to invest, how to spend time, how to follow, how to pursue, how to desire and yearn, how to prioritize and sacrifice. So whatever it is in that equation that you need to do, I ask you, make a commitment today. Make it so this is the best Christmas that you've ever had because you choose the better thing. Father, I pray that your grace and your mercy would reign through your Holy Spirit in every life and every heart. Lord, as people are listening to these words, I pray, Lord, that repentance would come into this place. I pray, Father, that the busyness and the cacophony of noise and distractions that surround us, we didn't even get into talking about phones and social medias and everything else because we know those things are all peripheral. It's just the abundance of things the enemy will distract us from what matters most, spending time with you. Father, I pray whatever needs to be moved, whether early in the morning or late in the evening or throughout the day, whatever it is, Father, whatever needs to break down in their lives, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would remove it, Lord God, surgically. That, God, there would be the opportunity for intimacy. Lord, I pray that you would arrest the attentions of your people. that they would be able to follow after you. Choosing the better thing. And if there's anybody here who's never said yes to Jesus and you want to change that today, just lift up your hand and pray this simple prayer with me. We need him, guys. The Bible tells us that without God, there's only judgment. But with his grace, there's life evermore. If you need to restart or start a relationship with Jesus today, just lift up your hand. I want to put something in it and I'll pray with you after service. So if that's you with everybody just chilling right now, lift up your hand. The usher will come to you. It's not about putting you on the spot. They just want to put something in your hand. Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor.